This is Norm Gore, and you're listening to episode 9 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. Today I had a great conversation with National Youth Poet Laureate Alexandra Huen. We talked about her experiences at Mariloma High School, how she got into poetry, and her process on creating her latest project. Let's dive right into it. Hi Alex, welcome to episode 9 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. We're so uh, so happy to have you here with us. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. We're just really great to have this time to to talk with you. Of course. Thank you for having me. So could you introduce yourself and let our listeners know a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, my name is Alexandra Huynh and I use she, her pronouns. I am a recent graduate of Miraloma High School and I am the 2020 Sacramento Youth Poet Co-Laureate and I was just announced the 2021 National Youth Poet Laureate. And I have been writing poetry since I was around seven years old, but it wasn't until my junior year of high school when I really got involved with it through Sacramento Area Youth Speaks, and I haven't stopped writing since. That's amazing. Um, could you talk about your experiences at Mariloma High School and just being a part of San Juan Unified School District? Absolutely. So I have been going to San Juan Unified School District for the entirety of my education. I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school with this district, and I am very grateful for my time there. I think at Miraloma especially, I was able to have access to such a diverse student body, and I remember how our teachers really celebrated that. They helped us host events like Dia de los Muertos, or we had an Asian art fair every year, and it was events like that that really invested in the student experience that made me feel really at home at Miraloma. And I think that it's it's something that I try to bring to my poetry, really showcasing diverse stories and making students feel empowered to really take ownership of their lived experiences in whatever way that manifests for them. So do you have a favorite moment of high school and also a favorite teacher? Oh, that's a tough question. I think for a lot of people... High school is kind of a blur. For me, a moment that stands out is that I used to wait after school for a few hours for my parents to pick me up. And I remember I would always sit outside of the classrooms that were right by the parking lot. And I would strike up conversations with anyone who just happened to be sitting there. And most of the time I shared a class with them or I had seen them around campus before, but I never really got to know them. I think just being able to have that time to connect with people was really special for me because it's it made me feel more at home. And I think that it was a big step for me because I grew up kind of introverted. Um, and I think that it's definitely a testament to my growth as a person during high school. In terms of favorite teachers, I have so many. And I don't want to to make any of the teachers that I've had feel bad. Um, I, I just want to thank every single one of them. One teacher that really left a lasting impact on me was Mr. Kuzmich. He was my history teacher in senior year. And what I really appreciated about his class was that even though he had a lesson plan, if we came into the classroom one day and there was just some event that we wanted to talk about that we just had to have a discourse about, he would open up space for that and he would adjust his class schedule to make sure that we felt like we had a learning environment that was driven by our own intellectual interests. 
And that was really special for me because it, it made me feel like I could take agency in my own education. So you said two things I liked there. You said that you were striking up conversations and that's something that made your high school something that you that you really thought about. Um, I think that's also a really great talent too, to be able to just to make a conversation with anyone. Um, so when you would have these conversations with people uh, after school, what would you, how would you approach that? Just, I know some people are, like you said, introvert, introverted. So what would be your advice to a student that may have a hard time like talking with other students, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think a great place to start is to touch on something that you already have in common. So for example, if you know that you were in bio class with that person, but you hadn't really talked to them before, you could walk up and say, hey, have you started this assignment? Or how did you feel about that test? And I think when you're able to tap into a shared experience, it just opens up the person so much more because they feel like someone understands them already. And from there, you can really take it to so many different places. I think I had this reputation of being someone who always asked questions. So I wasn't really afraid to ask unrelated questions. Maybe just having a few fun questions in your back pocket is a useful tool. For example, one question I love to ask is, what's your comfort song? Like, what song do you listen to when you feel like the world is falling apart? Because no matter who the person is or what their answer is, I think you always have something to learn from a question like that. I think that that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And then also you mentioned the open space that your history teacher provided you senior year, uh, which I think is something that's great that teachers can provide. Um, and when thinking of other classes, was his class the only one that really provided that space for you guys? Or is there other classes that you can think that provided that as well? I think that there were definitely other classes where that sort of thing happened, but history was a great place to do it, I think, because, well, I was in the IB program, which is really rigorous. And a lot of our teachers are, their priority is to prepare us for the test, right? Because that is what is going to make the IB program worth it so that we can get our certification. And I think when there's that pressure on teachers, it can be hard to open up space in your already tight schedule to go on those random tangential discussions. And I think for history, because the nature of our final examination was that we would be writing essays, we we could really benefit from being able to have those discussions and pull together pieces of knowledge without it being organized ahead of time. Um, but I think that all of my teachers, uh, especially Mr. Porter, my bio teacher, I really appreciated that he always opened up room for questions so we could have those those tangential discussions, even if they were brief. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, other than your interest in poetry, what else are you involved in, in at Miraloma? At Miraloma, I was a part of the Vietnamese Student Association. So I was the president of that club. And what we did was we brought together Vietnamese students on campus. We had lunch and it was just a great bonding period, but a lot of fun that we had involved having food sales after school. So we we had these members who would bring like giant vats of boba or milk tea and you'd see long lines of students uh, waiting to get their milk tea. And I think that was, it was fun because you get to, you get to organize something that has a tangible 
tangible reward at the end of it. Um, and I was also a part of Strings for Star King, which was a volunteer club. And what we did was we went to Star King K-8, which is a K-8 school in this district, after school. And we would teach piano and violin lessons to the kids in the after school program there. And it was just, it was a lovely experience. I think a lot of the kids that I knew were just pushed into music lessons from a young age. And it was really hard to appreciate that when you have that parental pressure on you. But to be able to take the resources that we've been afforded and transform it into an enriching education for kids who perhaps don't have access to that kind of that kind of after school activity is really special to me because it it wasn't just that I love music, it's that I was able to see the kids persevere and go through all the same struggles that I did as a kid. But now I was here and able to be like a mentor figure to them. Yeah, I mean, hearing that you're involved in so much, did your other students at Mariloma even know that you were involved in poetry? I, I was just wondering. Yeah, I think it kind of came out of the blue for a lot of people. When I first started poetry in my junior year of high school, it was actually towards the latter half of it. And I I kept it under wraps, I think not because I didn't want other students to know, more because I was kind of shy about it. Uh, I think with spoken word poetry in particular, it's very personal. And it's always easier for me to perform for an audience of strangers than people that I know because those are people that you're going to have to interact with afterwards. Whereas if it's an audience of strangers, then you can just leave your heart out on the stage and walk away from it and kind of distance yourself. So for a while, I didn't really openly share that I did poetry. But I think towards the end of my senior year, when I got the Sacramento Youth Poet Co-Laureate title was when I started being a little more comfortable just owning up to it. Yeah. So can you describe the process that you've taken in creating the mosaic poem about students' experiences during the pandemic? I know this is a big project that you're working on. Mm -hmm. So can you just explain the process and the steps that you've been taking working with that? Yeah, absolutely. So I was first approached by Michael Zisk, a teacher at Encina, about possibly writing a welcome back poem for students at San Juan once all the schools opened up. And while I was honored by this proposal, it didn't feel right to me because I didn't feel like I could speak authentically to students' experiences just from my single perspective, especially as someone who had graduated from the district almost a year ago already. And so what I instead proposed was, I want to modify this project to a point where we can get as much student input as possible, and then I will take fragments of what students say and make it into a mosaic poem. And what that entailed was we created a Google form where we basically asked students, in 50 words, can you just describe what your experience during the pandemic was? So you can talk about what brought you joy, what challenged you, or just a small memory that you'll never forget. And we were able to get over 600 submissions, which was mind-blowing. And it was such a joy to read through all of them. I, 
I sat in front of my computer for several hours and I just like looked through every word, copying and pasting phrases that particularly stood out to me. And it was just amazing to see that there were definite themes in student experiences, but there was also so much tender reflection and optimism. I really was not expecting the amount of positivity that I found in those reflections. So many students said, even though this year was so tough, I'm grateful to have been able to spend time with my family. I realized that I love the people that I love more than I ever could have. And that was really inspiring to me, I think, because after one year locked at my home, I've been having a hard time just staying optimistic. But the fact that these young people are able to do it, even with the challenges of hybrid learning, I mean, why can't I, you know? And so I I have been just piecing together those excerpts and stringing it together with my my own poetry. And it's in the production phase right now. So hopefully this poem will be ready to be released by the end of the school year. But if not, it most definitely will be available at the beginning of next school year. So would you say that this is your biggest project yet? Oh, absolutely. But it's also one of my most rewarding projects. I think because I, I'll, all I ever really wanted was to be a part of something bigger than myself. And I think that holding the title of National Youth Poet Laureate or just being any kind of Youth Poet Laureate can be daunting because so much of your work is based on your personal experiences. And at some point you either are tired of hearing about yourself constantly because you're just writing about yourself or you feel that you know you can't keep writing about yourself like there's so much more out there that people need to hear and to be able to take agency in this project and say no I don't want to just talk about how I'm feeling like I want to showcase other students perspectives has been a great privilege for me. So what would you say has been the hardest part about bringing these stories together? Because obviously you're going to get a lot of different voice and different input. So what has that process been like specifically? Yeah, I think the most difficult part has been trying to harmonize all of the the anecdotes that I've found, you know, figuring out a good balance of heartbreaking images with comedic anecdotes. Like I saw some kid put in, I don't know why there was no toilet paper at Costco, but there was no toilet paper at Costco. And I was like, you know, that's kind of a great line to put in the poem. Not sure how I'm going to include it. But the thing is, I want to be representative of all students' perspectives, even the the funny ones, because I want to have a balance of emotions in the poem. So just trying to, to bring it all together in a cohesive way has been my greatest challenge. So just wondering about, you said it's going to be expecting for this summer, right? Uh, either this summer or the end of the school year, right? So yeah. what what do you expect the length to be, if you even have an idea of that yet? Yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be around three to four minutes, maybe five minutes. But I typically, I like to have poems that are around like the three minute and 30 second mark. And that's just because I... I was raised for like two years in the slam poetry world. Um, and the the max length on those poems is three minutes and 30 seconds. 
And I think that's a good time frame just because it's enough for you to tell a story, but not to a point where you might lose people. And that's important to me too, to make my poetry accessible to a larger audience. I think a lot of of the poetry that we're taught in school is it can sometimes be incredibly lengthy and intimidating to get through, or it can be incredibly short, but very confusing. Like some poems literally seem like puzzles. And I don't want to write my poetry to with the intention of confusing people. Of course, I'd love for my readers to go back and try to find new meaning in the words that I've written. But at the end of the day, I want you to be able to walk away with something that you can hold on to and keep thinking about. Where where can our listeners and where can people within the district find this this poem once it's released? Like where where are you guys going to be releasing it at? Yeah, we will definitely be posting it on the district website and we will be promoting it through the district social media. So I am confident that your teachers will be able to send a link of the video to you. And by August, at the start of the new school year, I'm hoping to do a live performance of the poem. Um, So hopefully people can tune in through Zoom, or maybe we can get some room for live audience members. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I would really hope for all students, staff, anyone within the district, be able to hear this amazing piece that you've been working on because you're putting in a lot of work on it and a lot of student voice is going to be there. So I really hope that that it's going to be able to get out to people and we're going to do our best to make sure it happens. Thank you so much. So I would like to take this time for you to perform a piece of your choice. Um, If if you're ready, I don't want to put you on the spot, but um, you can take the next two or three minutes to um, perform a piece and I'll, I'll go silent over here. Yeah. Sounds good. So this piece that I'm going to perform today is called Autumn Prayer. And it's about how, to me, it's really important that students have access to a culturally relevant education, which means that they're able to see themselves in the history that they're being taught. And they need to have a context for their lives so they can feel a sense of agency in creating positive change in their communities. Um, So this is called Autumn Prayer. It is here I receive all news, old news of the world, not my own, but with a passable scent. From a man with passable pity, he tells me about unit title, lesson number, and I swallow, until he mentions Vietnam, the war, that is when I really start to listen. If I can't be heroine, call me ornament immigrant. Oh, the boats and the people on those boats so brave, so different from the refugees now we owed them. I moisten my tongue at the sound of almost home as the name Yung Tu Hung loses its river in my teacher's mouth and no one asks why my face is wet. And remembering my one sad desk in the desolation of that classroom, I write a prayer for the children who fill it next. Let the children speak their names as their mothers do. Let the chorus sing it back, or try and try. Let the stories have no accent, and some sounds remain untranscribed. Let the children fill the space with memory. Yes, the coriander. Yes, the silk. Yes, the stomp. The duplex. The honey. The beads. Yes, the asphalt. The drum. 
the sneakers, the curls, yes, the incense, yes, the white bread, yes, the chain link, the copper, yes, the stars, the ballads, the cable buzz, the river, yes, the multiple, the many, yes, the love, yes, the love. Let the memories be told by the hearts they tumored. Let the children know the name of their melancholy. Let them shape the vowels into hope and draw from ancestral hymn. Let honor make no hostages of them. Let their bloodlines become primary text and let what they've seen become their language. Thank you. Wow. Just, wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I really hope you guys got that. And I, I really want to ask, where can our listeners find your work? Um, do you have a, a platform for that where they can find you and interact if they want to listen to more of your work? Yeah, so I have not formally published any of my work, but I do have an Instagram if you'd like to follow me. It's Alexandra Zero Huyn, H-U-Y-N-H is how you spell my last name. And there I will be posting every part of my journey from the news articles that I'm featured in to some of the places that my single poems are published. Um, but other than that, I am still very much new to the poetry world. Is the mosaic piece you're working on going to be your first published piece? Oh, I, I think that it's going to be my first piece with the district. I definitely have videos of other poems that I've written and recorded before. But when I say I have not been published before, I mean that I don't have any books out there. Um, and I have okay. not been published by any literary journals. I just have to say thank you again for sharing that piece. I'm still just wow. Um let's thank let's move so on much. though. Um so what is the Sacramento area youth speaks or is it pronounced say can you pronounce it it's says or says? Yeah, it says. Yeah. Just like says, okay, yeah. You, like Simon says. Simon's okay, awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> so what is says and how did that program help you get involved uh with poetry in the Sacramento area? Yeah, so SES is a critical justice and literary organization that creates programming for students to take agency of their own stories through poetry. So they host workshops and poetry slams, and they have after-school programs in schools all across Sacramento. And I first got involved with SES through the poetry slam that I attended in my junior year of high school. I found out that they were hosting a preliminary round of their citywide poetry slam at Miraloma. And I just, I decided to go because I'd never done anything like it before, but I did like writing poetry. And I almost didn't go because I looked into the room and I didn't see anyone that I knew. But after I called my sister, she reassured me that everything was going to be okay. I had nothing to lose. And when I, was performing my poems, I was just astounded at how kind and supportive everyone was. And that kind of environment just continued to be a part of says for everything that I was able to experience um, up until this point. You know, they create a space where students feel like they can just speak authentically to their experiences. And that's really enough to hold people's time and attention. And it's important. And I think that 
says for me has really given me the first platform to tell my story in a way that has it's not told for anyone else but myself and because of the nature of the poetry slam where you have this live exchange of energy with your audience it's a really healing space because you're able to talk about things that can quite literally weigh down on you physically and release them and get only positive energy back for it, which is something I'm really grateful for. Are you still a part of um, SES currently? Yes, I am. But I've moved into a sort of different role. I'm not attending the after-school programs because I'm not a student anymore, but I am an artist in residence at Miraloma. So I host these workshops every week on Zoom. And where, where, where can people find that? Yeah, you can find the the Zoom link to the workshops on my Instagram. I will definitely repost it after this interview. So um, in case you have more friends who are interested, I would love to see you and write with you. Of course. So could you explain what exactly the title National Youth Poet Laureate means and then the significance of that title to you personally? Yeah. So in general, the National Youth Poet Laureate is an ambassador for youth voice at events across the nation and internationally. And what I'm supposed to do is advocate for youth voice in spaces where perhaps it's not always there through the lens of poetry. And for me specifically, how I want to take on this role is to make sure that I am really using my platform to touch as many students as I can. I think that it can be easy to get caught up in a whirlwind of performances and just to be on tour all the time, but I never want to spend more time performing than I am teaching and writing with students because I think I can make the greatest impact by by really engaging with students and teaching them that you don't have to write a certain way or be a certain kind of person to be a poet. Poetry is, it's at the end of the day, a tool for you to process your own life and find clarity to make a better world for yourself and the people that you love. And I just want that to to be as widespread as possible. So for me, it really means the world because I'm hoping to to talk to people, especially people like me in elementary school who had all these creative ambitions, but did not feel like anyone was listening to what they had to say. And I'm here to say that someone, and it's me, and probably so many other people are waiting to hear exactly what you have to say. So just go for it, just share it. And that is a huge deal, um, getting that title. So just a big congratulations to you. And we continue to see your amazing work. Thank you so much. So what are your plans for after high school? Well, I mean, you're already graduated. So what are your plans? Like, What are the next four years looking like for you? Yeah, so I have been on a gap year this past year. And in September, I will be attending Stanford University, where I'm hoping to major in civil engineering at the moment. And it might seem a bit unexpected because I spend so much time writing poetry, but really I want to study engineering because I want to challenge myself to think in a way that I never have before. And I want to get those problem-solving skill sets. So 
I may not apply them to being an actual engineer. I may just become a doctor, school teacher, lawyer. The, the possibilities are truly endless. But my my final goal is to take part in creating a world that is more equitable and sustainable, and to be able to work with people every day on something that matters to me. So that may be planning a better food system and becoming an urban planner, or it may be be becoming a school teacher and teaching English and math and science, because I think I, I get the most fulfillment from just connecting with people and sharing knowledge and building knowledge together. So wherever I can find that, I will be happy. Alex, you said Stanford University. That that's amazing. That is truly oh, thank amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. And going towards the next chapter of your life attending Stanford, um, we we wish you all of the best. And you're you are a true role model for people that are in the St. Run Unified School District, um, for people to look up to. You're you're a true leader and we we commend you for your work. Oh, thank you so much. I could I add something? Of course, yeah. I really appreciate all of your kind words. Um, I also do want to uplift the fact, though, that I am not an exception. I, I in no means feel like an exceptional individual. There are so many incredible students in the San Juan Unified School District, and I always say that there's no shortage of talent. There's just a shortage of resources. So I hope that whoever is listening, um, you're paying attention to the people beside you and to your own potential because you can be doing exactly what I'm doing or even more. You know, without me even saying anything, you just answered my last question, which was going to be asking you what you'd like to leave our listeners with. And <laughs> leaving them with, with that fact was amazing. But just to ask you again, was there anything else that you wanted to to uh, leave out there as your final thought? Yeah, I think what I just said is something that I'd be happy to leave you all with. To, to reiterate it, maybe more in the framework of poetry, I just want to say one more time that I'm one of many young poets and young people who are trying to make a positive change in their community. And as long as you have the energy to care about an issue, you have the capacity to make change necessary to fix it. So change can start today and it can be as little as having a conversation with your parents, or it can be as big as organizing a group of hundreds of students to mobilize a campaign to increase access to nutritious foods at your school. Like you, you truly have everything you need inside of you to, to make your communities even 1% better than they were without you. Thank you again for, for joining me here for episode nine. We, really appreciate your time and we really appreciate everything that you're doing for the school district and everything that you've done for your community. You are, again, a, a leader and a great role model for, for all, all, young, all young people. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with National Youth Poet Laureate Alexandra Huynh. We really appreciate all the great support that we've been getting for the podcast and we're going to continue to push out great content for you guys. Please follow us and interact with us on Instagram at San Juan Unified Podcast and our Twitter at SJUSD Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you and interacting with you guys on social media. 
I am Nanak Tagore with episode 9 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast, and I'll be back here next time.